Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Quartz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. Well, let's get started this morning by taking our Bibles and turning to Galatians chapter 5, returning, I should say, to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking together at verses 16 through 25, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. Paul, writing to the Galatians, says this, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing those things you want as believers to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. You can know them. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, those who continue to do those things show that their lives have not been changed, transformed by Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the presence of God in your life is, is here. The, the fruit of the Spirit is the presence of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. There's no law, no instructions that can help you have these things. This is the evidence of God at work. Not in their full, but always growing, becoming more. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They have put to death... What we find in, in verse 17, if we live by the Spirit, verse 25, Paul says, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, our Father God, your word tells us that you are an ever-present help in time of need. And Lord God, this morning, as we gather around your word, we confess our need. We are in a battle. The world around us seeks to allure us with promises of happiness. The devil beyond us is gifted, skilled at deceiving us. And Lord God, the flesh 
inside us calls us constantly to pleasures and to things, good things used in the wrong ways that ultimately hurt us, harm us, and hurt and harm our relationship with you. We need you. We, we are no match for these things. But you are. You are. And so as we come to this passage, yet again, we pray for your help and ask that you would show yourself strong on our behalf and give us, Lord God, eyes to see, hearts to understand, the instruction, the guidance that you give us from your word by your spirit. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul gets started in a very significant way. Look at verse 1. If you have your Bibles open, look at verse 1. This is how Paul starts this chapter. He says, he reminds the Galatians, and he says, now Galatians, you need to remember, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm, he says, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't submit again to, the, to that yoke of slavery imposed on you and imposed on humanity by the world, by the devil, by the flesh, even when it comes in religious forms, when it comes by the lie that says you can please God by your good works and earn your way into his favor. Many, many ways, this is the heart of the battle that believers are in. It is a fight for the freedom. It is a fight to live out of the freedom that Christ has won for us. It is a fight to live out of the freedom he gives here and now in spite of all of the forces that would threaten to take it and to enslave us yet again. Among them, I will tell you, none is more effective than the flesh. The old nature inside of us that's so focused on self and hostile to God. And consequently, Every believer needs an answer to the question, how can we be free of the old man? How can we be free? How can I be free of me? I, I believe that because we pay so little attention to the flesh, we are also very easily defeated by the world that appeals to our flesh and by the devil that seeks to tempt us on the basis of our flesh this may be, in the entire series, the most important message you'll hear. So listen carefully as we look at this question from the New Testament and find an answer. How can I be free of the old me? Now, in this larger passage of Galatians 5, we've seen how Paul summarizes for believers uh, how flesh is actually defeated. He offers three ways uh, for believers to be involved in this defeat and to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He says, first of all, he says, you've got to know the signs of defeat and you've got to know the signs of victory. You've got to know the works of the flesh and you've got to know the fruit of the Spirit. Constantly be watching for the works and the fruit, for the works and the fruit, for the works and the fruit. You will know 
where you are in your walk with Christ and can know in any moment whether you're seeing the works or the fruit. The second thing he says believers can do is cultivate the habit of crucifixion. We spent some time last Sunday talking about that. The third thing he says we can do is cultivate the habit, not just of crucifixion, but also of consecration or the living set apart or living set apart for God and his use unconditionally. Now, as we looked last week at this crucifixion, this habit of the crucifixion of the flesh, we saw how believers are meant to live first, crucifying the flesh with its passions and its desires. And practically, we saw this involves rejecting, refusing, and uh, also repenting of fleshly passions and desires when they either set up or, 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 or rise up and we begin to feel them, we need to rebuke them, we need to refuse them, or when they've actually come to fruition in action, we need to repent of them and we need to do it quickly. And it is by that pattern, by that habit of rejecting, refusing, and repenting of, of fleshly passions and desires that we live and can live dying to the flesh, dying to that old man, dying to that old woman, dying to that old self that is so oriented towards self and so hostile to God. To experience the victory and freedom from sin and its spiritual, relational, and physical consequences, Paul says, every believer is called to live daily carrying their cross, taking the old self, the willful, wayward self, and executing it by rejecting, refusing, and turning from it again and again and again. There's a great, there's a great takeaway from that, and it is this. Those who live free and victorious in Christ always die first. The path to freedom is always first death. The path to victory is always first death. You gotta die if you're gonna live free. You gotta die if you're gonna live free. But this dying to self is just the first step. There's a second step necessary. We see it in verses 24 and 25, and it is cultivating a consecration of the new self. Now, this should be a rather obvious step for us. Believers who habitually crucify the old flesh, uh, the old self, must go on, Paul says, and habitually consecrate themselves. That is, take the new person God has made of them and set that new self apart in Christ for God, for his use with the freedom that Christ gives them. They do this practically, look at verse 25, by keeping in step with the Spirit. Now, this makes great sense if you think about it. If you leave something behind, you always need to find something else to replace it with. Some of you have never gotten victory spiritually. You've never gotten victory in your walk with Christ because you have learned to say no, to reject the flesh, but you've not gone on and said yes to anything else. You've simply said no. And to, to leave one place always requires that you go somewhere else. If you try to leave the flesh and have nowhere else to go, guess where you're going to wind up again? Does anybody want to guess? Hurry, I don't have much time. Flesh, it's not that hard. It's really simple. You're just shy. I know, I know, you're just shy. That's all it is. It's just you're shy. I know, I know. But you wind up back where you were because you said no, but you didn't also go on and say yes. 
You didn't leave and go somewhere different. You just tried to leave, which isn't really leaving at all. Now, you can't truly quit pursuing an old way of life if you don't start pursuing a new way. You see, here's something you need to know about you, and that is that you are hardwired to live for something and to go somewhere. God made you specifically for himself and specifically for eternity. You were made for him. You were made to live with him. And as a consequence of that, this is in, in God's grace and his mercy, he not only gives us a way to say no to the old flesh, the old man, the old woman, he offers us himself as a new way to live. So gracious, so good to us. And as a result of that, genuine believers will live their lives nailing their flesh to a cross with a daily, decisive, and ongoing no to its passions and desires. And they will make at the same time a daily, decisive, and ongoing commitment to living out of the passions and out of the desires that God has given them for himself. They do it by way of the Spirit. And so... This is how believers control the passions of the flesh, bear the fruit of the Spirit, and experience the victory Christ has won for them and are finally, finally becoming free of me. Now, let's look at specifically at what this second step requires. I want you to see with me in verses 24 and 25, we can say that consecration requires understanding that every true believer has received three gifts. And those three gifts that every true believer has received are these. A new disposition, a new obligation, and a new opportunity. It is a new disposition from the Spirit, a new obligation to the Spirit, and a new opportunity from the Spirit, a new disposition, new obligation, new opportunity. Look with me again at verse 24 and see with me that every true believer has the gift of a new disposition from the Spirit. And those, Paul says, verse 24, who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There is so much behind this one verse. Now, we don't need to spend perhaps a whole lot of time here, but the gift of this new disposition placed in the hearts of believers is so important, I have to mention it again. You see, at the start of the Christian life, as the cross of Christ and his death for sinners and his resurrection is presented, believers come to Christ by faith. They find, as they do, that his life becomes their life. And that is why Paul is able to say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me on the cross and gave himself for me on the cross. These believers find too that as they come to Christ by faith, that simultaneously with this gift of a new life, 
there comes a new indwelling partner with whom they, they live that life. And so we could look back and see in Galatians 4, Paul not only explains that those who have come to faith in Christ are made children of God, but that they discover that their father has sent his Holy Spirit, Paul says, into their hearts so that they now cry out for him saying, Abba, Father, saying, Abba, Daddy. Do you, do you see? Suddenly, when a person comes to faith in Christ, there is a complete and a decisive change that occurs inside of them. Do you see it? Where before Christ, their true passion was once exclusively for themselves, their passion is now for him who is their father in Christ. And as a result, Paul says, they cry out to him. They cry out for him. Why? Well, because the Holy Spirit has come. He has raised them to a new supernatural life. He's given them a new view. Those who belong genuinely to Jesus just don't think in the same ways that they did before. They don't see themselves the same. They don't see God the same. They don't love and long for the same things. Their disposition toward the flesh has changed. Their passions and their desires now include Christ and the things of Christ. They love the things of Christ. They love his church. They have a desire to be with his church. They love his word. They have a desire to, to know more of his word. They love prayer because they love being in his presence. They love Christ and they love the things of Christ. Something changes when you come to faith in Jesus. A complete, a decisive change has occurred. <laughs> and I love this, <laughs> and I hate it at the same time. I, I love it and I hate it. What this means is that a genuine believer can no longer indulge in the works of the flesh in the same way they once did. It means that sin and fleshly satisfaction aren't as, as, joy, as enjoyable as they once were. The presence of the Holy Spirit in your life ruins the pleasure of sin. Have any of you found that out? <laughs> Come on, have any of you found that out? Sin is just not as much fun after Christ as it was before Christ. It just isn't. Now in Christ, there is a healthy guilt that comes with sin. Now with Christ, there is a deep sense of betrayal that comes with sin. Why? Because verse 24, now I, I belong to Christ Jesus. Now I, I belong to the one who was crucified for me and for whose sake uh, I have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And now when I, when I indulge the flesh, I grieve Christ and I love Christ. I don't want to grieve Christ. And suddenly I sin, I grieve Christ, and then I'm grieved. Sin is grievous. Turn to your neighbor. You haven't said grievous all week. I know you haven't. Turn to your neighbor and say, tell them sin is grievous. If you don't have a neighbor, just talk to yourself. Sin is grievous. Sin. 
Sin just isn't as satisfying as it once was. The reason why I said I hated that is not because, well, yeah, I guess apart from Christ, I did love to sin. In Christ, I hate to sin. The, the reason I have a love-hate relationship with this truth is, is that it is uh, at the very heart of that conflict that I live with as a follower of Jesus all the time. It's at the heart of the conflict that you experience as a follower of Jesus all the time between that inner flesh, that, that inner man, and the spirit who lives within you. To indulge the flesh for a believer is now a path to misery, regret, sadness, and defeat. Some of you here this morning are miserable. Some of you here this morning are sad. Some of you here this morning are living defeated. Some of you here this morning are living with a boatload of regret. Some of you, it's because you have never met the Lord Jesus Christ and you have not known the power of his forgiveness and the power he has to take old broken lives and make them new. But some of you, are where you are because you know his love for you, you know his power for you, and you have lived opposite of what you know. And that is why you're sad, and that is why you have regrets, and that is why you're miserable, and that is why your life is grievous. Every true believer, every true follower of Jesus can say, I have a new set of loves. I have a new set of longings that dwell in me alongside the old. And the new in me makes me less capable of enjoying the old as I once did. (laughs) Have you found this out? Even in my walk with Christ, even when I am just off spiritually and I don't want to love Jesus, and I don't want to follow him, what I find is that the presence of the Holy Spirit, who gave me those wants originally, doesn't stop. He continues. Do you know what he does in me? I don't know what he does in you, but I'll tell you what he does in me. Do you want to know what he does in me? Sure you do. Here's what he does in me. When I don't want to love Jesus, when I don't want to follow Jesus, and I resist loving him and following him, the Spirit of God comes back at me and gives me a want to want to follow Jesus. He gives me a want to want to serve Jesus. And if I lose the want to want, guess what he does? Have you got it figured out? He gives me the want to want to want to love and follow Jesus. He is relentless. Why? Because I belong to him. I have been made new in Christ, and I now have a new disposition that no one and nothing can take away from me. Not even me. Not even me. This new disposition is a gift because self and selfishness have a hard time thriving 
in a true believer's life. They just don't do well where Jesus is. Second, every true believer not only has the gift of a new disposition from the Spirit, but also the gift of a new obligation to the Spirit. Look at verse 25. Paul gathers up here in verse 25 everything he has said in verses 1 to 24, and he draws a summary conclusion. He says, verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with that same Spirit. Paul says that if a person truly lives by the Spirit, if a person has genuinely passed from death to life in Christ, with the old flesh crucified and a new self raised by the Spirit, if this has genuinely happened, then Paul says they should go on and keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit who raises them, who represents the authority of Christ to them, This, Paul is saying, is the believer's duty or commitment. Keeping in step with the Spirit is something they must do. If the Spirit has given us new life in Christ, he must, Paul says, control that life. He must control that life. Can I just pause and say, that is his job. That is is his job, that is his role. In the Trinity, that was his assignment. The Father came up with redemption's plan. The Son executed the plan. The Spirit carries then and applies that plan to individual lives. It is his job. And you have an obligation to let the Spirit do his job. Divine control are involved here, and human submission are are critical to this keeping in step with the Spirit. The idea that is contained here is perhaps best captured by a picture of lining up behind a leader and then following him or her, going wherever they go and accepting whatever guidance they give along the way. Another idea and picture also present is that of lining up and walking behind a leader in a very straight line. The idea here is of behaving, living in such a way that you behave according to God's ultimate standard, which is Jesus. The Spirit of God honors Christ. That is his role, to exalt Jesus. And so when he leads a believer, he leads a believer straight for Christ, great for the character of Christ. And so to follow him, to keep in step with him, is to follow him in the pursuit of the ultimate behavior, the ultimate example of holiness and purity, the Lord Jesus Christ. With both of these pictures in view, we see that because the Holy Spirit has given believers eternal life in Christ and because he dwells in them for Christ, it follows that he should have complete control over that life for the sake of Christ. Now, let's just ask quickly why it is that believers are obliged to keep in step with the Spirit. Well, they're really just two fundamental answers. Let me spell them out and we'll move on. First, believers, true believers, are obliged to keep in step with the Spirit. Hey, professing believers who are not true believers, they're not obliged to do that. Hey, listen, they can do whatever they want to. 
Their lives haven't been changed. They can't do anything different. But for those who are true believers, genuine followers of Jesus, because they are a people who belong to Jesus and because the Spirit has been given to indwell them, they are obligated. Now notice this with me first. With lives given to Jesus and now possessed by the Holy Spirit, what this means is believers are no longer their own, nor can they be in rightful control over, over themselves. And this is something we all too easily forget. It is why Paul says so memorably in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know, have you forgotten that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He is within you. You have him, Paul says, from God. Do you not know? Do you not remember? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So you must, you should glorify God with your body. Now, it is a, a wonderful thing to say. I've been bought by the blood of Christ, forgiven, set free, given a new destiny. But it is an altogether sobering thing to say, I have been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus and I am not my own anymore. And this leads believers to ask, if they're being honest, who, who gets their way in my life? Who has their say in my life? Who gets their way and has their say more in my life, the flesh or the spirit? Believers have this obligation to follow and obey the spirit because they are not their own. There's a second reason. And that is this. The work of the spirit is to help them fulfill God's ancient and constant command to his people. Be holy as I am holy. 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 You see, because God did make us for himself and because he is perfectly holy, his demand and his heart are for us to be as he is. You say, why? Because he wants us to be where he is. He wants us to be as he is, holy, because he wants us to be where he is. He wants us with him. We've been given a very powerful treasure in the very presence of God's Holy Spirit. He's been placed in us to make us as he is, holy. And because of who he is and because of what he is like, and because of why he is present in us, we are obligated to cooperate and participate with the Spirit in this pursuit of holiness. Now, it is true, believers can never become now what the Father calls them to be and what the Son has died for them to be, not without the present help and lordship of the Holy Spirit. And that is why he must be free. Listen, 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 listen. If you're going to be free in the way that Christ died to set you free, then the Spirit of God must first be free in you.
No restrictions, no limitations. He, he is not going to be put in a box somewhere in your heart. He is going to be free to have access to all that you are, all that you have, all that you think, all that you say, all that you do. If you are ever going to be free in the freedom that Christ died to give you, you are going to have to let, you're going to have to accept the obligation you have to let the Spirit of God be Lord in your heart and in your life. The Spirit has to be free to tell us through His Word, by His leadership and His guidance as He indwells our lives. He's got to be free to tell us how to live, to command us, to guide us to the life Christ has won for us. Only the Spirit who gives us this new life from Christ knows how this new life works. To not follow him is to say no to the life Christ gives. If we would have life to the full, as Jesus promised, we've got to follow his spirit to the full. If God is to be pleased, if Christ is to be honored, if we would be holy, the spirit must be followed. And the good news is that this spirit we're obligated to, he can be trusted. Listen, believer. Listen, believer. You have a friend. You have a helper. He can be trusted. He is the Holy Spirit of God. He, he lives in you. He works to teach you and to guide you to become all that your new heart truly desires. He works in you to make you more like Jesus. This great aspiration for you is more of Christ and less of you showing up in your life day after day after day. That's what he aspires to. That's what he works to. Why? Why would you not cooperate with such a friend and a helper? It is what you really want. It is what you really desire. If you've genuinely been born again. Do you live in step with the Spirit, obeying and following Him? Every believer should know and say, I, to have victory and to be free of me, I need the Spirit to be Lord of all of me. All of me. See, even right now, even right now, there is a struggle going on in this room. deep in the heart of genuine believers as the Spirit rises up right now, right now, right now and says, this isn't mine. This isn't mine. You've blocked me. You've unfriended me. Blocked me, moved me, sequestered me. 
Be very careful if right now you're sitting there going, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. That's scary. If you profess to be a follower of Jesus. Finally, every true believer has the gift of a new opportunity with the Spirit. Look at verse 25 again. Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with that same Spirit. Now, the fact that believers have life from the Spirit and an obligation to follow Him doesn't make obedience inevitable or automatic. Believers must choose to do what they ought to do. But can we do it is always the question. How many of you have tried to obey God and failed? Come on, I'm running out of time. I need your full cooperation. Keep in step with your pastor. Come on, here we go. Here we go. You tried and you failed. How many of you really tried and failed? <laughs> All right, we got a bunch of failures in the room. I'll, I'll be president. I'm, I'm failure number one. All right. So, yes, we've all tried. And that leads us to this burning question is, can we do it? And, of course, you know I'm going to tell you you can't. But there is a final encouraging truth to be found in this verse. While the new obligation to keep in step is real in the pursuit of holiness, the command also at the same time infers a real opportunity. There's an obligation, but there's also an opportunity. Crucifying the flesh and walking in step with the Spirit are live options for genuine believers that no one else has. When Paul says, we are more than conquerors in Christ in Romans 8, he's not just hyping up his Roman audience. He knows it. He knows it to be true. The victory of freedom from sin is real because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He not only teaches and leads and guides believers to holiness, he also empowers them to do what he leads and guides. In other words, what believers must do in response to the Spirit, believers can do in the power of the Spirit. What God commands, he also supplies. And crucifying the old man and consecrating the new man day by day, keeping the flesh dead and keeping the new man in step with the spirit are all things that can be realized here and now. And so this verse, verse 25, calls false. Any notion that victory and freedom over sin in the flesh are somehow impossible. Now I want to say to you this morning, loved ones, all that holiness involves, all that holiness includes for those who are Christ, obeying him, living with him, living for him, imitating him, keeping his moral law, taking his side against sin, doing righteousness, performing good works, conforming to Christ. All of these things are possible. We'll never get them all perfectly. But they're all possible because of the power of the Spirit of God. When he raised you up and came to indwell you, Paul says this in another place, that the power that raised Jesus from the dead came to live in you. See, some of us don't believe that. 
It's like having a treasure we don't ever see, don't ever touch, don't ever ever use. My battery died in my car the other day. It was a good life lesson for me. You you can have your, your tires rotated. Get your air filter changed and your cabin filter. Have your front end aligned. Have all your ends aligned. Have a tank full of gas. If you got no power, you got two tons on four wheels to push around all over Yakinville or Davie or Clemens or Louisville or Winston-Salem, wherever you're from. A lot of us live with the battery in place. This is a terrible analogy for the Holy Spirit. But we never, never have the confidence to take the key of faith, put it in the life God's given us, and go. It's two tons. I can't push this to work. This is a terrible analogy, unplanned, but I think it's working. <laughs> and the Lord says, I never, I never asked you to take that thing, to push that thing to work. I never asked you to push through the day to try to be like Jesus. I never asked you to do that. Because look, your battery is dead. <laughs> but I have given you my spirit. Well, loved ones, to have victory, to be free. You can choose the spirit to be free in all of you knowing that he specializes in making the impossible victory over sin possible. I want to close with two brief questions for you. Do you have the Holy Spirit? And secondly, does the Holy Spirit have you? Do you have the Holy Spirit And secondly, does the Holy Spirit have you? The first question is for everyone. Do you have the Holy Spirit? This is the very same thing as asking, have you been born again and have you been made new? Because to have the Spirit is to be born again. It is to be made new. It's how we're made new is by having the Spirit as a gift from the Father as we act by faith to receive His Son. Paul challenges professing Christians in 2 Corinthians 13, saying to them, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail to meet the test. Paul says it is entirely possible for a person to make a really good profession 
but have no transformation. How do I know? Well, John in his first epistle offers several tests that we could summarize in this way. Genuine believers have a proven personal trust and reliance on Jesus for salvation and everything else. They hunger and show evidence of ongoing life change that makes them more like Jesus for all to see. Listen, listen, if you you came to know Christ at a VBS back in 1992 over a cup of grape Kool-Aid, and you effectively have not moved one iota from where you were over that cup of Kool-Aid, you are not saved. How can you be so brash? Well, because here's the reality. Jesus Christ came to save sinners and to give them new life. He does not fail in what he endeavors to do. My Jesus doesn't fail. I may fail him, but he will never fail in his work. There will be an ongoing life change. There will be evidence of it. Secondly, there will be purified lives, lives that are increasingly free of the pattern of sin. I've got my sins, you've got yours. Sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're different. But there will be progress. In a genuine follower of Christ, there is progress. And when the progress stops, there's misery. (laughs) So you're either making progress or you're miserable. And if you're neither making progress nor miserable in the fact that you're just as impatient today as you were when you gave your life to Christ, just as uh, capable of anger and lust and whatever else, if that's the case, if there's no pattern of purification going on in your life, then You've had a cup of Kool-Aid and a got wet in a tub. In a genuine believer, God's word is hungered for, both to know it more and to obey it. The, the hunger for the blessing of the word. Blessing is not in the knowing only, but also in the doing. There's this hunger. Even when I'm away from this book, I... <laughs> I'm drawn to it. And when I'm in it and seeking him, I can't get enough of it. And it is, this is an evidence of the presence of the Spirit of God at work. In the life of a true believer, there is a faith that lives and works by serving others with sacrificial love. You can look into a life of a believer and over time you will see acts of sacrificial service done with no benefit for them, only for Christ. Do you belong to Jesus? Truly? Not in name, but reality? Second, if you say you have the Holy Spirit, then does the Holy Spirit have you? Does he have all of you or only part of you? Do you grieve and quench him or do you follow him? 
Do you rely on him to give you the capacity to obey his promptings and to obey his word? Do you cooperate with his work or do you get in his way with thoughtlessness and carelessness and lack of discipline and self-indulgence? Hey, hey, don't listen for an answer. Look. The answer isn't found in your talk. The answer is found in your walk. Whose line are you in? Whose leadership are you really following? Who gets to have their way and their say in and over your life, really? Watch out. Here it comes. Because I'm running out of here. I'm going to, yeah, y'all can't. Y'all got to stay. Whose line are you in? Fox News? CNN? Republican Party? Democratic Party? Whose line are you in? Whose podcast are you lined up under? What news outlet are you lined up under? Whoa, watch out. See, y'all are making some really mean faces at me right now. Who's your real leader? If it isn't the spirit of the living God, then your real leader, I don't care. How it is manifest is your own flesh. You're listening to somebody or something that tells you what you think you need and want to hear. Ooh, goodness. What a way to end a sermon. You know, when I answered the call to ministry, I, I made a commitment to preach Jesus and only Jesus and to keep pointing God's people to him. And my one aim in life is to die doing just that. Who are you following? Real victory, real freedom. The kind that Christ died to give us starts with a death and continues with submission. Two things we hate. We don't want to die and we don't want to submit. But for those who will die to self and submit to the Spirit, there is an extraordinary life to be lived. And you can't find it anywhere else. All right. Amen? 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 Amen. All right. Y'all coming back next week? Okay. <laughs> That's good. I feel better. I feel better. So, Lord God, uh, here we are, broken, prone to wander, prone to let everyone and everything speak into our lives except you, your spirit, and your word. How we need you. 
Lord God, there is no victory for us over the flesh. No victory over ourselves unless your spirit has given us new life and is free in us to lead us where he will. Make us such a people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Adam, uh, stand up. Uh, some of you know him, some of you don't. Our new executive pastor. Here, I've got to go, but here's the, I'm just impressed with this. If you would say this morning, here's the, real, here's the honest truth. I do not know. If I have the Spirit of God in me, I, I don't really know for sure if my life belongs to Christ. I can, I can make a profession and I can point to a date and all this, all this stuff, but I, I really don't know because by listening to these standards, it, it's really caused me to, to wonder and reflect. I want urge you with all that I, I am to find Adam in the lobby no right here just be right here and ask him to help you find the assurance you need if you're a believer and you know the spirit of God doesn't have all of you. Here's my call to you. Name what he doesn't have. Ask him to take it from you. And then hand it to him with an open hand. Amen. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoy these podcasts, take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kortz. My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life.